If you have your Bibles this morning, I would ask that you open them to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John has been some time since we've been in this wonderful, rich book. But you're going to want to find John, the first chapter. John, the first chapter. All right. Everybody's good, right? Deep breath as we come to the Word of God. Yeah. All right, I don't want anybody going to sleep this morning, all right, because I believe that God has a very important message that He wants us to hear from His Word today. I think He's going to challenge us as followers of Jesus Christ, and if some reason or another you are not a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, I believe that God is going to challenge you through His Word to really take the opportunity to examine the evidence concerning Jesus Christ to see if what is really uh, spoken and wrote, written about Jesus Christ really is the truth. That's one of the great questions we must ask ourselves as people. Do I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Who is Jesus Christ? That's a question that every one of us will have to answer at some point in time in our lives. So John, the first chapter, we've been in this great book, the gospel. Now, how many gospels are there? A little bit of review this morning. How many gospels? One gospel, right? Very good. Now, there, are one, there is one gospel, four different accounts of the gospel, but there is only one gospel message. This is the gospel message. The gospel message is that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. He lived a perfect life. He willingly went to a cruel cross. He hung there, he died, and he rose on the third day for the forgiveness of sin. And anyone who is willing to turn to him in faith can come into a relationship with Him. That is the gospel message. Perhaps no gospel account makes that message any clearer than the gospel of John. John makes that so very clear for us. Think about it for a moment. It is John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that records the verse that many of us have learned from the time we are children. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that so true? Anyone who's willing to turn away from themselves in a life of sin and turn to Jesus Christ in faith and acknowledge that they are totally and completely helpless to save themselves. God's Word says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I have a question for you this morning. This is the question I want to start with today. How well do you really know Jesus Christ? If you were to take out a paper and pen this morning and you were to gauge your relationship with Jesus Christ, what would you say? If you were to use 1 to 10 as a gauge for that relationship. What would you say in your relationship with Jesus Christ at this very moment? Would you say, well, Brother Jeff, I feel like I'm a good, strong eight. That's where I'm at. I'm eight. I'm good. Maybe some of you would say, well, you know, it's one of those challenging times in my life right now, Pastor, and I really kind of feel like I'm at number five. 
others of you, if you were really, really honest, and you knew that God was looking over your shoulder at your piece of paper, you would say, maybe I'm two or three at best. Maybe I'm two or three. You know, there's one word in Scripture that is used oftentimes to refer to our relationship in Jesus Christ. Do you know what that word is? It's the word no. It's the word no. Now, when the writers of the Bible use that word no, they're not referring to a relationship that is based upon facts. We all know people based on facts, don't we? How many of you this morning know facts about the President of the United States? We do. We have a factual relationship with our President. We can all quote facts. Neither is that word used to speak about a casual acquaintance. We all have casual acquaintances in our life, do we not? Yeah, we do. Think about it for a moment. Sometimes our neighbor is just a casual acquaintance. Isn't that true? The person that checks us out down at the grocery store is a casual relationship many times. We don't know them, what I'm saying, at a heart level. But when this word no is used in Scripture, it always refers to an intimate, personal relationship. A heart-level connection. Now let me ask you again, how well do you really know Jesus Christ. I didn't ask how many facts do you know about him. I didn't ask if you had some casual relationship with him. I asked, do you really know him in an intimate and personal way? at a heart level. If you're here this morning and you do not know Him in that way, my prayer today is before we leave this place that you will know Him in that way. Now some of you may be saying to yourself, how is that possible, Pastor? How in the world can I know some dead man in a personal way? Well, let me share this with you this morning. If you don't know this, Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He is real. He has risen from the grave. And because He has risen from the grave, He offers unto us eternal life. He wants to move us from that which is dead to that which is living. At one time we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We were spiritually dead. Do you know what that means? We could have cared less about the things of God. But when we came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is something unique that happened in our life. He gave us Zoe. He didn't give you my daughter Zoe. That's not what He gave to you but He gave you life, spiritual life. 
I have come that you may have life and have life to the fullest. Do you see? More than anything else, Jesus Christ wants you and I to experience life abundantly to the fullest. You know, as I look at the world in which we live in today, there are many people who, are, who think they are living life to the fullest. They think they have the world by the tail and they're hanging on, don't they? They think that life to the fullest is having things and possessions, having the right relationship, the right job, all of those different things. And somehow or another, they have convinced themselves in their mind, I have life to the fullest. Well, the truth of the matter is, no, what you have is death. You don't have life. You ever notice how often God's Word contradicts the wisdom of the world? The world says if you have all of these things, you are alive. And Jesus says if you don't have Him, you are dead. Isn't that crazy? Have you ever thought about that? And people are wandering around thinking that they have life when life is found in the person of Jesus Christ. I so hope today that if you don't know Jesus Christ, that you find Him today. This morning, I want us to do something. I want us to look at a very interesting figure in the Word of God. He's a very interesting man that played a significant role early on in the ministry of Jesus Christ. He's one of those kind of figures that's kind of, you know, I kind of say he's mysterious. He's a... kind of one of those shadowy kind of figures that we hear a little bit in God's Word about, but then he quickly passes off the scene. I would use one word to describe this man, and this is what I would say about him. He is very eccentric. I mean, think about it for a moment. What if I told you this morning, there is this guy living in the bottoms of the Natchez River, and he is wearing animal skins as clothing, and he's living off the land eating locusts and wild honey, and he is baptizing people in the Natchez River, and people are literally flocking to him to hear his message. Wouldn't you think that that's just a little bit crazy? Wouldn't you say, oh my goodness, why would anyone want to go to that fellow? Well, there is a guy that is a lot like that in the Bible. His name is John the Baptist. And that's exactly how the writers of the four gospel accounts describe him. They say that he was clothed with camel skin. He had a belt girded around his waist. That he ate locusts and wild honey. That he baptized people in the muddy Jordan River. He preached repentance and that the kingdom of God was near. Now, I'll tell you something else about this character. He did not mince words. On one occasion, he referred to the religious leaders as a brood of vipers. Can you imagine that? We would send him to one of those, what are they called, sensitivity classes? Politically correct, isn't that what we would do with him? We would say, well, that's not very politically correct, John. 
Now, you need to go to this class over here for eight weeks and learn how to relate to people. We would give him some personal skills. Isn't that what we would do for John? But that's the kind of person that John was. But I also want you to hear the words of Jesus Christ about this man because Jesus says this about John the Baptist. He says, there is no man born among women who is greater than John the Baptist. Think about that for a moment. What if God chose to record something about your life today? Is that what He would say about you as a follower of His? There is no man born greater among women than Jeff Lowe. I doubt it. I doubt that's what He would say. But that's what Jesus Christ said about John the Baptist. I want you to hear what John the Gospel writer has to say about John the Baptist. Now I will tell you up front, this is going to be one of those confusing sermons. And the reason it is, there are too many Johns. There's John the Gospel writer and there's John the Baptist. Now you know John the Baptist just simply means that he was a baptizer. That's what he meant. He was baptizing people. It's not that like we can claim him as our own Baptist people. You see what I'm saying? We need to understand that this morning. It just simply means that he was a baptizer. He was baptizing people in the Jordan River. He was preaching this message of repentance to them. And I want you to listen to what John, the gospel writer, has to say about John the Baptist, all right? Listen to what he says here. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Now, if you're wondering where I'm at since I haven't told you, that's verse 19, all right? Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? I want you to listen to John the Baptist's response to the religious leaders. He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, now let me put it in modern day language. This is what John's task was. He was out in the wilderness and he was crying out and he was saying, Hey guys, open your eyes. Jesus is coming. That's what he's saying. That's his whole role in the kingdom of God is to announce the arrival of Jesus Christ the Messiah. And he is crying out in the wilderness with a loud voice saying, Hey, you need to open your eyes. The long-awaited Messiah of the Jews, He is coming. You need to be ready, is what He's saying. Can I say something to you this morning? Jesus is coming, and you need to be ready. 
Because you see, none of us know the moment and the time which Jesus Christ may arrive on the scene. And I'm going to tell you what, it would be a sad day in your life if you were to miss the return of Jesus Christ because you are not a part of the family of God. Oh, what a horrible day. What a sad day would that be. Can I also tell you that day could be today. You know that, right? Today could be the day. You need to be ready. Can I ask you a question? Have you thought about your eternity? Have you thought about that? You need to. Let's go back to this text and listen to what he says. Now listen, verse 24. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Now I want you to focus right there for just a moment on the words of John the Baptist. Now, Jesus Christ makes the statement about John the Baptist that there is no one, no man greater born among women than John the Baptist. But here is John the Baptist given a very significant role in the kingdom of God. He is the trumpeter. He is the one who is announcing. He is the one crying in the wilderness, Jesus is coming and I will tell you something today. I am not even worthy to unloosen his sandals. I am not worthy. I mean, how often do we think somehow or another in our minds we are worthy of anything that God gives us? We are not worthy. We are not worthy of the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. There is nothing good in us that makes us deserving of a relationship with Jesus Christ. What makes us good is Jesus Christ in us. You see, the problem with the world is they start with the wrong understanding. They want to make it out that man somehow is good. They are inherently good. If you believe that notion this morning, just look at the world in which we live in, and then you can come away with the understanding, oh my goodness, man is not good. Can't you agree with me on that this morning? Can't you see that? Look around us at the world. There is so much turmoil. There's so much war. There's rights here. There's disagreement there. And somehow or another, we can really convince ourselves this morning that mankind is good. That we're evolving to a higher state. And one day, wham, we're just all going to arrive. What do you think? Do you think that is even plausible? The greatest indictment against the philosophy of the world is the world itself. Don't you see that? 
John says, you need to understand something. I am not even worthy of loosening his sandals. The one who comes after me is what he says. I want you to go back here and look one more time as John finishes this passage. That's John the writer. He said, these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Well, John the writer gives us a pretty good picture of who John the Baptist is, doesn't he? We know, notice right away he serves a significant role in the kingdom of God. Isn't that true? He announced the arrival of Jesus Christ. He was the one crying in the wilderness, make, make way for the Lord, preparing the way. We also see that very clearly in this passage of Scripture that John fulfills Old Testament prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? As a matter of fact, John the baptizer actually quotes Isaiah, the 40th chapter in the, 30, uh, the third verse. A quote that Isaiah wrote down 750 years before John the baptizer or John the Baptist arrived on the scene. So he's the fulfillment of prophecy. All of that is great, and we see the significant role that John played in the life of Jesus Christ in his ministry on the earth. He's announcing, bringing fulfillment to prophecy, and then it's just like, wham, Jesus is there. And then John makes that great declaration of Jesus Christ. Do you know what he says? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Can't you almost see that picture? I mean, I can see it in my mind this morning. Jesus arrives on the scene, and it's like, wham, here he is. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world. That's who this John is in Scripture. All right, so this is what I want you to do this morning. Take a deep breath, all right? Because here is the point of the message today. The point that you really need to hear and the point that I really need to hear today. There are two truths in this passage of Scripture that we need to apply to our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me quickly give them to you this morning. Number one, first, you and I will only realize who we are in Christ when we realize who we are not. Let me say it one more time. We will only realize who we are in Christ when we realize who we are not. That was true of John. If anyone could have bragged about his spirituality, it was John the Baptist. After all, Jesus said there was no greater man born among women. When we look at the life of John the Baptist, what we clearly see is an example of what Paul wrote in the book of Galatians. In Galatians, the second chapter, in the 20th verse, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. 
When we trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you and I gave up the rights to our life. Our life no longer belongs to us. Now it is all about living for Jesus Christ. I remember one Sunday morning in my Sunday school class, I shared this verse of Scripture. And as I was looking out at the group that was sitting there, I saw like a light bulb, not a physical light bulb, but you just seen one of those aha moments. You know what I'm saying? Like where you see, man, that person really got it. And, and it was that way. And all of a sudden, this lady said, oh, Brother Jeff, if that is true, if I have truly died with Christ and I no longer live, that means all of my hurt feelings no longer exist. Oh, my goodness. That's like an epiphany, isn't it? But isn't that so very true? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But it is Christ who lives in me. Here is the announcement this morning if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You have no rights to your life. I have no rights to my life. It is not about what I want to do. It is not about my feelings. It is not about my attitude. It is now all about Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. We do truly believe that verse, right? I mean, it's... it's means exactly what it says. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I realize we get our feelings hurt at times. I get my feelings hurt at times. But can I tell you this? The single greatest challenge in our lives as followers of Christ is slaying self every single day. You know that, right? That is the single greatest challenge in our life is to slay self. When we came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we gave up the rights to our life. Christ is now the owner of our life. Do you want to know what keeps people from being all they could be in Christ Jesus? One word, the word pride. I saw something interesting online this week. Someone took this word pride and they made an acrostic out of it. I want you to listen to it and I want you to see if you agree with what this person says. The letter P stands for position. A favorite old adage in the business world is unless you are the front dog, the scenery never changes. If, you, if we are not careful, we can adopt that mentality as believers. I will only choose to serve if I have position or recognition. And if I don't, I won't. John the Baptist could have said, hey, look at me. Look at my position in the kingdom." I'm the one that's announcing the arrival of Jesus Christ to the world. He could have said all of that. But instead, he pointed people to Jesus Christ. The letter R stands for rank. We are all conscientious of everyone's rank. A great composer said, The hardest fiddle to play is second fiddle. 
Isn't that so true? But that's exactly what John did. Our human nature screams to be number one. The third letter is I. Have you ever noticed anything about the letter I in pride? It stands at the very center. Pride says, I have to be the center of everything. D stands for destruction. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. A destructive life is a prideful life. God can't and won't use a prideful person. The fifth letter is the letter E, stands for embarrassment. Have you ever wondered how embarrassed Peter was after he denied Jesus Christ the third time and the crow, and the, I'm sorry, the cock crowed? I promise you, if you are a believer and you are prideful, at some point in time, your pride will embarrass you if you're willing to stop long enough and listen to yourself. Pride is a slippery, downward slope. It is only as I realize who I am in Christ that Christ can use me to the fullest. That is the truth of the matter. And in order for Christ to use us fully, It'll have to stop being about you and me and all about Him. Number two, second, like John, every believer has been called to be a voice crying in the wilderness. John came to point people to Jesus Christ. That should be true of every believer's life. Every single follower of Jesus Christ is to make Christ known to a lost and dying world. Listen to the words of Jesus Christ and you judge for yourself, okay? Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now let me put it in modern day language so that we can understand fully exactly what Jesus Christ is saying. Listen. If you ain't fishing, you ain't following. Do you see what I'm saying? Let me say it one more time. If you ain't fishing, you ain't following. Now, I can see some of you may be upset with me this morning. Please don't be upset with me. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are not my words. Those come straight out of Scripture. If you're going to be upset with somebody this morning, you'll have to take it up with Jesus Christ. Because he's clear, very clear in Scripture. So here is the personal challenge for each one of our lives. Is your life drawing people to Jesus or directing them away from him? You see, our job, like John's job, is to announce Jesus is coming. Are you ready? That's what we've been called to do. 
I can tell you something that I'm convinced of with every ounce of conviction I have in my bones and in my life. One day Jesus is going to step out and he's going to return. The trumpet will sound because my God is faithful to the promises of his word. It is going to happen. I will tell you this morning, it is a foregone conclusion. The question is not whether he will return. The true question is, are you ready? That's the question. Are you ready? And that's only a question you can answer. Only you can answer it. Father God, we thank you for your word and the way it speaks truth into our lives. What a simple passage of Scripture, Lord, but so profound as we look deeper into it. Lord, I don't know everyone here this morning. I don't know their hearts. I don't know where they are in their relationship with you. But I do know this. You know their hearts. You know where every single person stands with you today. My prayer is, Lord, no one will leave this building today without knowing where they are with you. That's the most important decision, Lord. 